Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of That's Not Spit. It's condensation. I have a question for you. Are you a musician that knows the importance of working on fundamentals, but you lack the structure of a solid plan to follow? Check out the brand new Fundamentals program on the Gold Method app. The Fundamentals program will help you organize your work and give you a customized four-week plan to follow. With this plan, the guesswork in your practice is taken out, and it helps you to focus on what matters most. If you're ready to see what a structured plan looks like in your fundamental work, head over to ryanbeachtrumpet.com or click the link in the description of this episode. Hey, everyone. Uh, it's great to have you back here for another episode of the podcast. This episode with Logan was really informative for me. I'm excited for you all to hear it. But before we do that, I want to take a second to thank our sponsor for the podcast, Houghton Horns. For those of you that aren't familiar, Houghton Horns is a family-owned business in Keller, Texas, and their mission is to spread the joy of music through providing the highest level of products, services, and resources to the brass playing community. One of my guilty pleasures in life is diving down endless rabbit holes on YouTube for all kinds of educational content. You can find so much information for any kind of topic you're looking for, including music education resources. Unfortunately, not every source of information is created equal, and that's actually one of my favorite things about Houghton Horns and what actually raised my awareness of them way before they became a sponsor for this podcast. Their YouTube channel has so many high-quality recordings and tutorial-type videos for players to learn from. It's clear to me that by supporting Houghton Horns, you're also supporting the creation of high-level music educational content for so many musicians to benefit from. At Houghton Horns, they strive to put service to the customer as their top priority. Whether you are a beginner student, a hobbyist, or a full-time professional, Houghton Horns can help you find what you're looking for. Go to HoughtonHorns.com for more information. Hello, and welcome to That's Not Spit, It's Condensation. And welcome to That's Not Spit, It's Condensation. I'm Ryan Beach, and today I'm excited to be here with Logan Chopik, the second trombonist with the San Diego Symphony. Um, Logan and I have known each other for a long time, although we met briefly uh, a lot of years ago when I was at Northwestern. Uh, we have the same kind of friend groups and stuff, so... He came, and I believe, visited. We spent some time together, but I didn't actually get to know him. So I'm excited to to dive in and get to know you a little bit now, finally, after all these years, and um, to just kind of uh, see what you have to share with us. So before we get started, I just want to say thank you so much for giving me some of your time and being willing to, to chat with me. <clears throat> yeah, you're welcome. Happy to be here. Um, we'll just get started with, uh, your backstory, how you got started in music, um, you know, where you, um, how you progressed through your education, I guess, and, and how you got to where you are now. Yeah. So I, I, uh, I started with the piano in fourth grade after I just like sort of started teaching myself to read music on piano and my parents were like, okay, I guess he's kind of interested. So, um, uh, yeah, I kind of did piano until sixth grade band and I, and I, uh, picked up the trombone and uh, did both of those until about high school and then decided I wanted to do the uh, 
uh, trombone a little more, a little more social. And uh, had a had a great teacher in high school <clears throat> and middle school. Great uh, trombone teacher, great band program, and um, started doing the band thing. And uh, yeah, went uh, you know did all state, you know first chair all state, all that stuff. Um, and um, went to UCLA, studied with uh, Bill Booth, who was a great mentor, and uh, went to Northwestern. Michael Mulcahy, Pete Elfson, doctorate at Indiana University. Um, Pete Elson, Carl Lindley, and uh, moved out to San Diego, had my first child, and then and then the my predecessor retired, and I was able to get the job here in San Diego. That's cool. That's a, a very expedited uh, <laughs> look through it. Um, I guess I'll poke a couple of holes. What's what's I mean, what's something you feel you learned during your education um, that was uh, really beneficial for you? If, I mean, obviously, it's going to be a whole bunch of different things, but was there sort of one overarching thing that you feel uh, was really useful for you in being able to uh, win a job uh, in an orchestra? Can you think of like a thing like that? Yeah, you know, it's funny because like looking back, I mostly see the negative things. <laughs> but no, I mean, my um, my my high school teacher was extremely Sean Rush was extremely positive and um, just had this great positivity about him and um, like all of the students kind of get that and so I I you know still have that um, uh, yeah I think I think so I sort of like succeeded in spite of my uh, <laughs> in spite of the pedagogy <laughs> not not from Sean Sean Rush specifically just. From the the basically the the um, the ecosystem of of brass playing, um, I I feel like I grew up like playing a little bit in the dark ages, um, you know, lots of uh, like I I could just I mean you're asking me what I thought was beneficial, but um, yeah, this is fine. I, you know, we can I, go I kinda, this direction. I, I kind of yeah, I kind of came out of my education with um, at least up until my master's, I I really had this like strength approach where I thought that you know like the only like the way that you get higher notes is by getting stronger. And it was sort of like this kind of weightlifting thing. Um, and so it's like, I was sort of looking for this strength of, you know, like, which is basically physical isometric tension. <laughs> and, mm, yeah. Uh, um, and yeah, so, uh, you know, and, and, and I, you know, learn, you know, articulating as this thing that you do, it's like you, before you play, you say ta or da, and, and then you play or something like it's some separate thing. And, and it's, it's, you know, happens before the note or something. It's just a lot of confusion, a lot of weird stuff. Um, yeah. So that kind of strength training and then this sense of like, oh, if I, like, I'm supposed to do these things to get music instead of like the music sort of like enraptures the the experience and kind of takes over your body. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just an interesting perspective to feel, to see that you have sort of what you would call the dark ages, but then, I mean, obviously I was at Northwestern too. It's kind of the opposite of what that school of, of thought is where it's so much about health of playing and trying to get everything to just be as free flowing. And then you sort of hear, at least what I was taught, you sort of hear what you want in your head. And then it's just the work is trying to match those things up. So did you, do you feel like, you know, in your uh, collegiate education, some of that stuff got ironed out? And if so, um, what was that process like to sort of go from, I have the strength-based approach to I'm trying to find more ease and more balance in my playing? Well, I think... Uh... Yeah, I mean, one one thing that struck me was when my teacher Michael Mulcahy was like, 
you know, he said, you know, you were probably, he, he would just like play these beautiful, you know, air, air starting, like super high notes and just like, just do like that. And I'm like, wow, like, I just can't even do that. And he was, he was like, you know, you're, there's nothing physically stopping you from doing this. Like you're, you're actually probably more capable than me at doing this, you know, like from a physical perspective. And I was just like, it kind of, that was the end of the, <laughs> the strength, you know, approach. I just, that blew my mind that uh, I was actually younger and healthier than him. And um, so it was, but it didn't really like connect to a lot of years later. Um, but I mean, yeah, I think everyone's, you know, the trumpet studio is like kind of its own thing at Northwestern, at least it was. Um, I, I think, you know, there was like a, a musical enrichment there that was really good. Um, but I think there were just a lot of things like just a lot of, a lot of things that were preventing me. Yeah. I, I definitely, I was in the, I was in the library watching hours and hours of Arnold Jacobs you know, videos and just like song and win, just song and win. And I try to do just song and win. It's like totally doesn't work. Mm. <laughs> it's like, you know, so I, th I think there's a lot of people that, that they, they think song and win and, and, but they've already like, they're, they've got this backlog of BS, you know, like these trained blockages where, um, you know, like just the, the outward flow of air triggers a whole neurological web of, um, trained habitual motor programs uh, and, and if, if you're, you know, from the buzzing school, which I had been, or from this breathing gym school, which I had also been, I like did all the school. <laughs> and, uh, so if you've got those, like before you even start to blow, you, you're, you've already set up a whole, um, uh, reverse bicycle sort of thing where like, you're, you're, you're like that all the energy is already blocked. It's, it's ready. You're already ready to block it. You know, you're blocking it with the lips, you're blocking it with the throat, you're blocking it with the tongue, you're blocking it with the this like super inhalation and then you're like choked and it's like, okay, now it's not going to win. It's like, well, the air can't get out. It's not going to work. So you kind of, in my case, I needed to, re I needed to clear out the garbage in order for that song and win to work. And now I, I am playing with song and win and it's amazing and it's totally the right thing. It's just, if you're like the way we start grad students, you know, oh, here's the mouthpiece. Let me make a buzz. Now that's how you play. You do exactly that into the mouth, into the instrument and it amplifies the sound and that's how it works. And it's just, that's not true. So, I mean, it's like from the very, the first moment that we even pick up our instruments in some cases where we have a completely like upside down paradigm of brass playing. This is okay. This is a very fascinating conversation because it's touching on some things that I feel like I've been sort of things have been swirling around in my own playing and things that I've learned. I don't want to leave anybody out here because I imagine we're going to be using the words song and wind more often throughout this discussion. Song and wind is Arnold Jacobs sort of approach towards, I mean, he was a different thing for a while from what I understand. It was very technical thinking about how much air you're taking in and understanding your diaphragm and all that. And then you sort of switch to this more song and wind. Hear the song you want to play in your head, get a great breath, and then just focus so much on creating that sound that your body sort of naturally figures out how to do that. And that's how I was also brought up. And I think I'm just going to share a couple of things that I've learned recently, and I'm curious what your, what your uh, response to this would be. I grew up on this, and I think for some people, it can totally work. As you said, if there's no sort of blockages or nothing stopping it. But I think for a lot of people, it doesn't inherently bring them to the most efficient, relaxed result of playing. Sometimes we can have a great sound that's being made, but it's not necessarily uh, the most healthily produced sound, so to speak. And I was reading this article by Gabrielle <clears throat> Wolf on Focus. Of oh, yeah. I, yeah. yeah no, on, she's, that's, that's my jam. Yeah. yeah. So I just read this like two days ago. 
And it blew my mind because it was it was scientifically saying some things that I had already been working with. Most specifically, I got it from Will Baker. Most specifically, I think I, gave, I, think I probably did. Gave you it to really? Will. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> then, maybe I, I sent him that. Yeah. Most specifically, at the very end, when he was talking about the distance effect in terms of hierarchical value, right? It was saying that like to to give try to try to share this in a way everybody can follow along when you're golfing. You have an internal focus of attention. That would be like when you swing, you're focusing on your wrists, your hands, your arms, like your actual body versus focusing on the, the club or the head of the club going, right? That's That would be an external focus of attention. This whole right, article. I think, I think in maybe, maybe, the, uh, maybe the specific with that, even it's, it's so subtle that I think it's worth mentioning that I think what one of the things that they tested in that golf study was that you're either like if it, you're so you're focusing on more or less the same thing like let's say your feet on the ground like you're going to feel your weight shift from your right if you're if you're a right-handed swinger you're you're feeling your weight shift from the right foot to the left foot as you swing but it, so if you're thinking if you're if your focus of attention is on the bottom of your feet versus if your focus of attention is on the ground that's feeling your weight yeah that's it, it, that's like a like a centimeter of difference of focus of attention, and it it made a significant difference. Yeah, I found that to be ridiculously fascinating in general. This idea that you could that even if, like you said, it's a centimeter outside of your body, it makes a huge difference. And then the article was talking about this distance effect that the further away from your body that the focus of attention goes, the more your body or your mind is able to distinguish between the mechanism of your body doing it and the intended result. So then it was saying like focusing on the club, the head of the club going through like as a part of your swing versus your arms. But then you could also Mm -hmm. focus on the trajectory of the ball or you could Mm -hmm. focus on the point where you want it to land. Right. And it was saying that these are uh, the further away, the better. But it was almost saying that people who were experts in what they did had the ability to manage like sort of a bigger picture hierarchical view of things so yeah. that what that made me think was, well, maybe there's different levels depending on your particular skill, different external focus of attention for your skill. And that would totally mm. line up with what we're talking about here, that sound, song and wind is like the highest big picture <clears throat> hierarchical view, which is like where we all want to end up. But not all of us are at that point where we are able to just take a breath and play what we hear in our head and have it be the most efficient result. I'm curious for your thoughts on this. Yeah, totally. I mean, and, and this is so I, so, you know, I just think I, I spoiler alert, I got Fogo in Estonia. <laughs> but, and, then, and then, and so I, so I went to, uh, see Jan Kagerice. So Jan, so Jan Kagerice is the one who shared the Gabriella Wolf article and many others with me. And I worked with her for, uh, this was like my real education, but <laughs> the positive stuff that you're looking for is all within the Jan Kagerice school. And, uh, and, uh, and I, we, we're, I mean, sometimes I, I still see her, you know, I don't know every few months or something it's just lovely it's wonderful and uh but i was i was really seeing her pretty seriously for i don't know probably three years um but uh she uh yeah so she she has this whole uh she has this whole toolkit that she's completely originally invented uh you know involving straws and uh you know like all these these different things but uh uh, so she talks about, she, she's like song and wind, except she, she's really talking about air out the bell with the expectation of sound is kind of like her terminology for it. And like you're saying that, that would be like the, the goal. And, and I also the starting point when I started my, uh, five-year-old daughter, 
on trombone or maybe she was four. I can't remember. Um, I, I just asked her, okay, how do I, how do I start? How do I start her? And she's like, just have her, you know, you, you blow, just blow air out the trombone, uh, you know, no tone. And then she blows air out the trombone and then you blow out, blow air with tone out the trombone. And then she blows air out, you know, and you just go, and it, it takes them about like three or three to five times to just get a, a tone. And it's like, the tone was good. It wasn't like, you know, this, when you, when you teach people, okay, buzz the mouthpiece, now put it in that you get this like classic sixth grade trombone sound, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, my, yeah. my, my, do- my daughter played her first sound of the trombone was boom. I mean, it was a legit tone. So it's like, it, it does, it's not hard. Um, so that, you know, and that, that's song and wind that she, she just ex- expected it when she blew out the bell. Um, but, but as we, you know, so and Jan has these different focuses of attention. So, you know, sometimes if she's going to try to make a change or like bring your awareness to something that's like, like, let's say you have a, like a, a tendency to roll your bottom lip in when you, before you blow air out or something, you know, or, or like a, any sort of like thing that could be happening. If you're just blowing out the bell, you're not necessarily going to be aware of it, aware of the thing. Like we're doing all these things and we're not aware of them. There are these automatic motor programs. But if you if you want to be to draw the learner's awareness to a particular thing that they're doing, uh, then you can put the focus of attention still externally, but closer to the closer to the aberrant like motor mm-hmm. movement or whatever. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, <clears throat> for instance, I mean, you can you can be you can be externally focused on the air that's right between the lips as it goes out, you know, you, you can focus on the air there and, 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 and then you can feel the air going by with the, the wet parts of the lips. I mean, so it, it's still an external focus, but you're just really kind of dialing in so that you can be aware that, Oh, wow. Now that I notice, you know, I'm asking my lips to not like, but basically just to like be neutral and have this air go by. But every time I do it, it does this like twitching inward thing. And and this is not just people with dystonia. This is like, like very healthy, good brass players. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I do these exercises with them, and yeah, because I, I, I'm actually like coaching people with dystonia now, and but also still coaching people that don't have dystonia, and I'm, I'm just shocked at how, you know, I, when I do these exercises, like these people start twitching. It's like they can't, like you know, involuntarily twitching because they, because it's the nature of their training. They've done so many hours of these uh, things. Uh, that you know buzzing for instance and so now like they can't they literally can't blow out their mouth without their lips curling inwards the answer to your your, your kind of your question is that it's like, i think we can we can adjust our focus of attention on external things for different purposes yeah basically so i mean this is like i can't even really i can't really come up with the words for how cool this is for me because my my story with this is I felt like so much of my playing was good, right? Like I won a job, everything was good. But one of the things I really struggled with, even after having a job, was just playing like right in the center of a pitch. Like I would some I was having this problem where I would like nick uh, a partial above or below before I did it. It would just be like <clears throat> this really quick, but you know. And it was like, oh. I couldn't just hit it right at, right on, right? So I started to work on just articulation in general, and it, started, it got better, right? And then I watched these videos of Hokan playing Charlier, those Charlier etudes, 
And just watching him produce sound, I was like, that's not what it looks like for me. It just looks like he takes a breath, but there's like this, it's not like a set, but it looks like everything is just ready to go. It's just ready to be released. So essentially I started to try to figure out what's he doing that's different than me. And what I figured out was I knew of this concept called wind on the lips from Jacobs, where when you breathe in, you want it to be cold on your lips but I don't know if I was keeping it in the same place when I breathed out. So I really started to focus on breathing in, but then also feeling it like exactly what you just said. Like it, I could feel the air passing my lips and it was like almost instantaneously, my consistency rose almost instantaneously. And then as I got more and more comfortable with that, it just became sort of like, that's now how I play. But what I've been, what I'm interested for from you now to, to ask the next question is, it feels like there's going to be still like a period of time or a bridging effect from where I will be like, this is the external focus that I'm on right now that makes me successful. But eventually I think for maximum musicianship, I'm going to have to start focusing on the ulti- the sound ultimately I want, or is it possible to sort of have a little bit of both? Like what's your, what's your take on how you move from a closer focus of attention to a further yeah. away one? Yeah, they uh, they become the same thing. <laughs> it's so crazy. This like the sound, be- the the air becomes the sound. <laughs> like it's it's such a weird thing that like you're. It's like you have this ball of like energy at the bell, and and like your your gut pump that like your 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 gut pump that like pushes air out like is the sound and. It, it's just like it all becomes you like you were talking about the golf swing like i happen to play golf and and i've used all this scabberly wool stuff and and uh and all the jam stuff that i've applied so basically when i'm golfing and i'm i'm like not great because i don't golf a lot but like i'm better than i should be because <laughs> i just started like right before the pandemic and uh i uh you know it's like you're, you're saying in golf you can either focus on the club head moving through the ball you can focus on where you want the ball to land you can focus on the trajectory but what I find is like the maximum is like, okay, like I put, it's, it's sort of like a weird feeling about it. Like if you're, people talk about your, you know, talk about core or whatever. Like, I think that gets a little athletic, but there's, there is this like thing. If, you know, if you can drop into your body with your consciousness and get out of your head, get into your body where you're kind of like in this area inside of your belly button and maybe down a little bit where you're like your energy gathers there. And then you put that, you put that, like gut energy on the on the place where you want the ball to land so you're sort of like folding space and like making your gut yeah. where it lands and then from there you can see the trajectory of like okay what's the what's the like you kind of stay there but look almost looking backwards what's what's that thing that's that path going to look like and then what and then you you're sort of asked the ball is telling you okay this is what i this is the kind of like energy i need to make it there and so the the ball at the destination controls the swing controls the club head but you are thinking about the club head you're not thinking about your body so it's it's like it's like all that's in one spot so it's like you're th- so the sound okay i i want this tone i already know what like because i have lots you know experience playing you know in in a in a healthy way you know what the uh, what that feeling at the bell is when like you know when you're when your air is huffing out the bell it's sort of like like jan talks about a blind man's cane so uh you know like a blind man can see with their cane but there's no neurons in the cane 
it's it's just like it's the cane becomes written onto the body map. And so for us, when we're huffing out the bell and we're feeling that 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 bell energy, we start to be able to like almost use our air column like a third arm that's like reaching through the instrument and just like sort of touching the sound. And so you, you know you know what that is, and then it's like the sound tells the air what to do. And the air tells the embouchure, you know, the embouchure just is like a, it's like 1%, like it's 99% air. Embouchure just kind of falls around the air and like, kind of like just rests on the air column. Um, so, so, so it's, it's sort of like you end up, yeah, leaving your body and you're just like on this like bell bubble of sound. Uh, Jan calls it a sound membrane. And, and it's, it's, it, the sound membrane is like this reflection point of energy because the, because brass instrument, I mean, we could talk about the physics, but um, basically that's a, uh, so it can all become, but if you want to progress from like, let's say you're right now, you're working really uh, like you're trying to watch the air go, no matter what, like, like you, you take away the goal of a good sound, you take away all the goals, all you, you make your version of success, your definition of success is air goes through the lips freely, unencumbered and into the, into the instrument. And like, you, I don't like, you know, any other thing is doesn't matter if it went freely without the lips freaking out or doing some weird thing that you're trying to like get rid of that success and you do it enough times that it starts to become more comfortable then you i mean you can move you can literally move to a further spot inside the trumpet uh where you're watching now you're watching the air sort of at the end of the lead pipe now you're or or you could or you could shift to the bell uh and there's and there's exercises you can do to kind of like bring your awareness to the bell without just purely through playing you know like like for instance, well, I, there's like so many, but <laughs> <laughs> no, this is, uh, this is amazing. Like, so one of the things I feel that I've perceived is that like, essentially if we're not thinking musically or we're not thinking about the sound, it's quote unquote wrong, right? Like that would be from a lot of people. I feel like have this perspective or this perception that at all times, that's the way we should do things. But I've come to this place where I think like, it's acceptable to divorce yourself from that for a period of time when you're trying to establish a new motor pattern that you want to be reliable when you start thinking about the sound itself. It sounds to some degree like you would agree with this, but I don't want to put words in your mouth. Absolutely. I mean, our, especially in the case of like dystonia or anyone wanting to make a change in something that they're, you know, that they're, they practice a lot of, um, our, our neural programs are, wired with the expectation of tone and i do x y and z there's it's like a list of like motor actions that are like neurologically linked to that you know motivation of sound so if you're trying to do something new uh it's not it's going to be hard to do if you're sort of thinking about the, the sound is such a powerful thing that it can kind of kind of like uh force you into old ways um so just and, and also and my my and this is like one of the things that i think was like kind of old school or dark ages, you know, when I was growing up is like this idea of like this, this like genius musician who like does all this stuff and like, is like so expressive and like, is like putting all this stuff in there. It's like, it's all about like what you put in. And now I'm, it's like all about what you take out. It's about emptiness. It's about um, like the, the, the instrument teaches you how, like my, my, my view of a good sound or, or it, it, it's, it's resonance. Pe people's sound is basically, resonance minus whatever else they're doing so if you're so my like i find the most beautiful sound to be pure resonance and that's because i, I play a trombone i'm not like it's not like a trombone with my voice it's yeah. just a fucking trombone <laughs> and it's like you, you you blow through it and if you blow through it 
so that the, the air column resonates in the maximum way. You get the most beautiful color, you get the most beautiful sound, it's, it's the most easy, it's the most fun, and then the music comes out of that on its own. It's not like something that you manufacture. And so people are like, if I'm not thinking of the sound, well, the sound's not in your head. It's coming out of the bell. Like it's yeah. like, so you're, you're, you're like watching it. You're observing it. You're, you're, you're being with it at the bell, but people are like, I'm going to sound like this. I'm thinking about the sound. And then they like, they're in their head, but they're like trying to play the instrument. And it's like, they're they're You need to put the sound at your expectation to sound at the bell and then, and then be willing to say, okay, I don't really, maybe I don't know what the most resonant sound is on the trumpet or trombone. And let, it, let's just see if I, if I blow down this thing, can I find, you know, let me find some efficiency. Am I, like, make sure there's no blockages. Make sure I'm really like touching that resonance and letting the letting it be as full of resonance as possible. And then start to fall in love with that sound and learn to expect that sound. But if, if someone who like grew up buzzing and they're like, like there's in their sound, they have, you know, people tell them that you have kind of a shitty, you got some, you got some fuzz in your sound. You've got this in your sound. They're like, well, that's just how, that's my sound. It's like, well, no, it's not. Like this trombone doesn't sound like that. You're, you're adding... You're basically, you're basically distorting the resonance of the, of this thing. And you're getting this extra, extra tonal sound. Yeah. So. Uh, what, one thing I think that's important in this conversation, uh, I'm going to take it out of music for just a second to illustrate it would be this idea of posture where a lot of people have like kind of bad posture, right. Um, from whatever sitting too long or, or whatever it is. Right. And so that posture that, you know, our body adapts to whatever positions we put it in. So if you sit with bad posture, that becomes sort of the way that you sit and it feels comfortable. So then when you sit right. with good posture, it doesn't feel right or feel good, but it is exactly. ultimately what's better in the long run. And so to take that example and put it back into music, I think sometimes what can happen is somebody maybe is producing sound in an inefficient way, but it feels fine because that's how they learn to do it. If you sort of try to then adjust things in the short term, it doesn't feel as good or Ideally, I think it should sound better, but maybe it feels a little bit weird. And people are using that as a metric for, am I doing the right thing? When in reality, what I'm starting to think is that there's sort of like, not a way, so to speak, but there are tenets or principles of like healthy playing that will exist among all health, like great players. And those are the yes. things we should be trying to focus on, especially at the beginning of someone's development. Yeah, totally. And I and I just to, to piggyback off what you were saying, I mean, people with dystonia, they um, like there, there's a great book written by uh, Joaquin Farias, uh, and it's called Intertwined. Um, and it is uh, he basically he's worked with like probably thousands of dystonia people and not just musical dystonia, but like, you know, people who can't open their eyes for months. And they're, they're not blind. They just literally can't open their eyes or, uh, you know, people who's stuck in some weird posture. And it's like, he calls them tension addicts. Like their, their proprioception has, has gotten so off that they, the thing that they think is normal and feels right is like totally tangled and weird. And then you put them in a right posture and they're like, I feel like I'm going to fall over or yeah, something. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's just like an extreme version of what you were describing. Yeah. I, I, I find this to be fascinating because the impl basically the implications of this are such that we, like, we should really consider what this means in the way that we communicate information, in my opinion. Like, it's not as simple as just, 
you know, blow or you have sometimes you hear these like legends of like high school band directors trying to help their kids like play louder or play higher. And they're just telling them to blow as much air as they possibly can, at least for trumpet. This is a bad way yeah, to go about doing it, you know, but like they don't <laughs> yeah. necessarily they're, they're trying to interpret like I hear I want this particular result and I just assume it's more <clears throat> air. Right. But like because we don't necessarily like you're saying even understand the physics of the instrument but more than that these sort of principles that like within the confines of these principles how would i get the desired result like we shouldn't necessarily just abandon whatever it is and say barbara would call it the path of healthy trumpet playing like we should never leave that as soon as we take an off ramp we find not only uh at best we're going to find a um, a plateau and at worst, mm -hmm. we could find injury or like you've talked about things like with dystonia and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. okay. um, do you mind sort of sharing with us uh, what dystonia is? I feel like I have an, a general idea, but like, you know, what's your experience with it? How did you know this is what you had and all those, you know, going a little bit deeper into dystonia itself? Um, I, 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 I like Jan. Jan calls it a, a learned movement, a learned movement disorder. And I like that because uh, it's it's not. I mean, I think there there may be some genetic predisposition to it, but um, but it really is caused by pedagogy. <laughs> it's uh, it's uh, pedagogy, but also trauma. It, it's it's like a for me, it was a withdrawal, like a like a physical withdrawal from the instrument. Um, I'm reading this book that's very famous. Everyone knows it. The Body Keeps the Score. And I, I haven't really read much of it yet, but it's like the title is just everything. It's like, you know, as, as like, you know, things were becoming so traumatic at work. Um, it, it It's just like I, I, you know, in my head, I was sort of dissociating. I was just like, yeah, I, like, I understand this is really crazy, but like I'm getting paid and like I can just handle this. Like I, I don't have to respond to this. I'm not going to, you know, whatever. And then it's just like, it just like got my body was just like, please don't come here anymore. This is fucking horrible. I really, you know, so my body withdrew from the trombone physically. Like, so it's just like, didn't want to let air in. Um, <clears throat> a lot of people can get it, you know, it, like a lot of people get it from different, different things. Um, like doubt in their sound because of weird comments people have made or, um, you know, articulation, like, oh, I have to say ta. So now they're adding this extra, there's extra motor program inside their, you know, it's messes with the timing and all this stuff. Um, there's just like the buzzing thing is and now now they can't get air in the instrument. So now that now they're 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 trying to sing in the instrument and so their body's helping them, but they've put this like big blockage in the way. And so their body learns to compensate. And like maybe because of that compensation, some other problem arises, they have to add another compensation, 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 compensation. So you get the snowball effect and people practice, they all, everyone with dystonia is like a mega practicer. So they, you basically practice it into permanence and it just, it just crashes. Um, <clears throat> I feel like people usually, I feel like a six month time frame is, you know, like from when things kind of really like, like what you're saying about Barbara, like getting off, when you get off the health of pathy, health, the path of healthy plane, you, it, for me, it was about six months to just, I mean, although it, you know, things had been, it's like all these, all these things, you know, like that, that my foundation was so faulty that it didn't take like a lot to put me on this weird, weird path. Um, so it's, it's kind of like, uh, people try to start a note and it's, <laughs> or, yeah. or, or they try to start a note. It's just, 
like, you know, completely choked or, or I've seen the, you know, they've got, uh, they've got like, basically this like tension uh pancake or this, this tension sandwich like you've got things pushing back things pushing forward and like it just can't hold anymore and it's like uh, um uh yeah and and usually every everyone who gets dystonia if they care about i mean usually anyone who gets dystonia probably cares a lot about music and then uh and then once you lose it it's uh, once you lose your music it's really depressing really difficult and um and it's just, it's not well understood. So it's difficult socially. Uh, even like the doctors, like I, I saw a neurologist, I saw my, my primary care doctor who was awful. She said like, well, have you tried playing the piano or something? <laughs> it's like, are you kidding me? Like, I mean, just, just the, the craziest stuff. But I mean, thank God, like we have people like Jan and Joaquin Farias. And there's like, a, there's a few more now. And Jan's, Jan's got this whole company, Musicians Wellness in North America. That's, she has all these really great assistants that have, uh, potentially all, maybe not exactly dystonia, but it's, you know, like dystonia is like the end of a continuum of unhealthy, unhealthiness or, or health or health, plain health, right? It's like the worst end, but people are like on their way there and they have plain trouble and they, they seek out help. So there, there's a lot of like non-dystonia people. Um, I would put like Valsalva in, in dystonia camp. Mm. Um, so there, I mean, it's just like, I, I hear so many, you know, what, now that I'm, not confused about how it all works. And I, and I, I've seen so much, I, you know, I hear, I hear bad stuff and everyone's playing. It's like, I mean, not bad stuff, but I just, you know, there, there's very few people that are just really killing it with efficiency and resonance. And like, um, but people are still making music, but I think there's a lot of like, as, as a field, we have so many blockages that it's just totally unnecessary. And, and, and it comes from the pedagogy. I find this to be, completely fascinating like i'll teach lessons right and i'll listen to somebody play and then it's basically like the same for me it's like the same two fixes that i try out with somebody and then they're just like making free beautiful resonant sound afterwards and i'm like i'm just saying the same thing over and over and over and over again you know and it seems like there's like a there's like a disconnect between like we're talking about making a good sound, but like, how do we quantify that? What kind of what you're talking about? Like what quantifies or qualifies a good sound? And it's like, do we get to a certain point where somebody can just play their instrument at a decent level? And we're like, you've got it figured out. And like, to me, the worst part is if it's not quite there, we'll just assume people will figure it out at some point in time. And it's just like, <clears throat> if I figured it out at some point, they will figure it out. And like, I'm just not sure that's true in 100% of the cases. And I guess you would be one of those cases, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it, I, I was hitting a ceiling for the entirety of my doctorate. <laughs> I mean, it was like, I, I, I mean, I still like, you know, I won a concerto competition and I, and like, you know, obviously I won an audition for a professional. I mean, I, I sounded good. And like, I, when I listened to my recordings, like it's very musical. Like I love, I love the, the work that I did during that time. I think it was worthwhile. And, but it was just like, I, you know, it was like, I knew I could never really win a major job. Like, you know, principal Chicago was like completely out of the question, you know, like, it's just like, I'm not like, it was in this kind of like, you know, top tier two sort of status or something, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and, and now it's like, the sky's the limit. I mean, and, and it's not, I'm not saying that because like, I'm like ready to be like, you know, some world's best. I'm, I'm not, but I, I, uh, 
my trajectory is so like vertical. It's just going, it's just going nuts. I mean, like every single day I'm way better and, and anything I set my mind to, it goes, it just goes really fast. There's not like before it was sort of like banging my head on high notes. Like, you know, it's just like, no matter what I try, it's just not coming. I've done this other than that. It's just like, you know, I mean, that's an interesting so, picture to paint that you were like successful, but you still had these things you were dealing with or going through. And and it's like, so obviously, okay. The reason I'm interested in this too is because like I succeeded, like I, I had a conversation with somebody about all of this like gold method stuff that I'm working on right now, right? And someone was like, well, you want a job like without all of this or like, what did you do this when you won your job? And I was like, well, no, I, I was practicing a different way, less structured, less whatever. Right. And then, so it's almost as if it's evidence that like, it's not that big of a deal. Right. Like if you can, if you can win a job without this, like, why is it such a big deal to do it? And it's like, well, because like, we're talking about self-actualization more than we're talking about winning or achieving one particular goal. But Mm -hmm. because our culture is so like, I just care about this one thing more than anything else. We can't see like 10 years down the line after that, what position are we going to be in? And like, am I going to be happy yeah. about that? And if not, should I do something about it now? Yeah, totally. It's like, everyone just wants to post on Facebook. Hey, what a job. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. So stupid. And I was one of those no, people. Totally I can't, right. I can't deny yeah. that. I was one of those people, but like now I so much see the bigger picture of like, I think I could have done that and had a like and had a healthier approach along the way, you know. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting to me, and this is no dig at anybody, but like you know, you and I had a, among the best teaching that exists, you know, and yeah, we I still mean, had yeah. to figure these things out on top of the best teaching that exists. So it's not like yeah. I, I'm not again. I'm not. It's not a dig at anybody. It's just like sometimes people can mm-hmm. appear to have things figured out and be, I think, seemingly be successful, but there's all these underlying things that may not get addressed because we just assume if they sound good, everything is fine. Yeah. And and just, you you mentioned the the best teaching possible, but I, I, uh, you know, once, once you kind of like have dystonia and you're open about it, people like, it's amazing. People just like, instantly start telling you their secrets Mm. (laughs) there's a lot of people struggling in professional orchestras with dystonia there the there's a high percentage of i i i'll just say there's a high percentage of people at the top institutions with dystonia i mean not like uh you know not not saying they're currently at these institutions but uh who have come out of those just uh not being able to play and uh it's and and it's not like you know it doesn't really happen so much from ucla or something or or like what's a comparable i don't know like some you know state university whatever uh it's like you know the really high you know colburn juilliard northwestern yeah uh those those and and there's i think i think there's there's another element there of the the toxicity of the you know it's not just that you want to post on facebook it's that your institution is like set up all the carrots you know for you to like like everything's about the job and getting the job and hey we have we're playing you know getting a job it's like, yeah it's like you know it's like they're not even teaching like uh they're not really even teaching uh like musicians anymore they're, they're teaching uh audition winners yeah and it's a totally different thing so when you get you get in the you get in the chair and it's like sometimes you hear these people they're like some of the best audition records and they like 
don't have any idea how to play music. And it's like that like that's like the one thing I I was never in short supply of was like, you know, uh musicality. That's I think that's like that's kind of like I think I was kind of saying that at the beginning. Like that's the one thing I sort of I I felt like I kind of carried me through all the BS was just that my body kept kind of you know making it happen with the music because I wanted it. So how what would you attribute to that? Is that just willpower that you or was it that you weren't were you naturally a musical player? Like what would you attribute to that? I think it's a it's just a voice. You know, it's it's like someone someone has something to say. Someone's like I. It's just the sort of person I, I happen to be, you know, I think everyone has different, different beauty inside them. And, uh, you know, my wife's a great musician. She's a great pianist and we have very different musicianship, but we play beautifully together because we're both great musicians. And it doesn't have to be the same, you know, yeah. we don't have to have the same voice, but uh, yeah, it's just, it's just that voice. I mean, I think everyone has a voice that's, there's, there's something beautiful inside of every person. I think. Yeah. So as I have done this gold method stuff, I find myself having a stronger desire to share these ideas that I think will help people than pursuing sort of my own performing career, if that makes sense. Like I enjoy playing, mm -hmm. but I think I've found like a different kind of love with sharing these ideas what's your yeah, yeah i was gonna say do you feel the same like wanting to like help people with these things you've struggled with or is it like cool i've got my playing career back so to speak like i'm gonna keep pursuing that yeah it's funny because when i was like when i had to start i couldn't play anymore i was like i'm thinking like oh, i need to go get these like recordings that of like when i when i was playing these really good concerts that i want to go get those recordings and just so like i have proof i used to be good or something <laughs> but uh uh and now I'm, you know, I, I'm very happy with my playing. Uh, it's, 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 it's quite reliable. I mean, you know, sometimes, sometimes, you know, there's like a little thing I need to work on or whatever. And sometimes it's not always perfect, but I'm, I'm generally very proud of the work I do. And, um, and, and it's kind of when you're on like such a radical self-improvement journey and you get to the, not the end, but like you get to a, a kind of a, you know, you're, you're not climbing the hill as hard anymore. It's like, it's, it's just a little bit, it's more of a, like an easy ride. Uh, the improvement comes easily. You're not having to like, you know, really grind, um, to get out of that hole. And then you, you, you look around like at the people around you, you're like, why are they like, why didn't they get better? Like, why? <laughs> it's, just, it's just weird. You're sort of like, um, this isn't as satisfying because like, everyone still has their issues and right. like, like it's sort of like uh um it it's just it's just a little it, it's not what i thought it would be you know like it's not like i mean so, sometimes it's amazing like that you know i get chills after we, we play something and it's just like wow that was like that was maybe the best like ever that was excellent that was like we should i could do that every day and some of it depends on the repertoire and um but it depends on like you know who's playing and how they're feeling and it, it's you can't control everything and it's hard to like so it, i i i still you know enjoy my job but it's it's sort of like and i i still would like to be maybe in a in a in a situation with you know having a having a bigger platform i think is always a good thing but um i i mostly i, I want to play with like different people like, I, I, not, not that i don't like the people i play with it's it's like i just i want variety like, mm -hmm. I, I would love to i would love to like do like 
two weeks in London or two weeks in here. I could, I, I, I love playing with new people. Um, but yeah, it, it seems it's, it's, it's a little shallow now. Um, because, you know, sometimes a conductor comes in and they're just like total garbage. And you're like, you know, like, why, why is this person like they're getting paid to ruin music? You know, like literally just, <laughs> That's an interesting... just the shit on this. <laughs> That's an interesting thing. Yeah. Have... <laughs> yeah. And it's like, you know, and then I'm supposed to sit here and like, you know, like we've all worked so hard, like the audience is paying money and like, we're supposed to be like, we have to promote this art form. And, and here we are. And this conductor is like, you know, playing some ridiculously slow tempo and like telling, you know, you just, you can watch in the rehearsal, like the orchestra from the previous week, just like starts playing worse and worse and worse. You're like, Oh my God, this is like, this is a crime, you know? So sometimes like, you know, it's, it's not reliably joyful. Um, but when I, and, 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 but, and when I, when I've been working with the dystonia people, I mean, some, sometimes I'm in sometimes, I mean, I, I brought to tears in, in sessions because it's just like, I see where they came from and then to have them just like, like just playing like, like someone who couldn't start a note before. And now they're like, just playing B flats, like boom, 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 no hesitation. I'm just like, just like, or then they, they like play a phrase and I'm like, oh my God, like, yeah. it's just like, that's unbelievable. And like, to like to know that you can like physically see them change. Like when they, they come in and you can see the depression on their face, you can, and you can see like they take these, you know, they're all gnarled up with tension and like, it's just so bad. And then you get the, you're like, this person is happy now. This person can play the trombone now. This person like, is just like his, his breathing is so healthy and like, you know, he's calm and it's good. And that's, that's super satisfying. And then the other element of it is if I did, if I did kind of go into that more, it, it could be, uh, uh, it could be done virtually or like, uh, you know, you're not bound to a location, Yeah, which I've always wanted to kind of like live out in the open or whatever, out on the, the farm or something. Sure. So. Yeah. One thing you just said, and I can sort of put some of my own experiences working with people on the, on this is like, it's what's interesting to me is you're not actually mm. taking them from I can't make a note to I am now the finest you know musician on the planet. It's like you're just opening the door to like you said access to more unending improvement. It's like almost getting from the place of like I can't see myself getting better to the point where I want to quit. I'm struggling so hard to somebody just like opened the door is like almost all anyone really needs, plus the fact that you've taught them how to do that. So they're equipped to then continue doing it and they won't, you can almost guarantee they won't end up in the same place again, which is motivating. And I find that to be interesting and fat, like an interesting goal or effect of this <clears throat> kind of work is like, it's not about taking people from zero to 100. Sometimes it's just taking them from zero to one. And then mm -hmm. seeing that they can take this step from zero to one. And it's like, oh, if I can do that, maybe I can go from one to two and two to three. And it becomes this like, I'm much more motivated to do it because I have tools available to keep me moving forward. Yeah. Developing the tools, knowing, being able to observe and empathize and see what needs to be done. And then understanding how people do improve, understanding the brain, understanding motor learning, training. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 really cool. It's, I mean, because because of my own, you know, because I had to do it with myself. I now I can I just it's very like easy. I'm like I see. I'm like okay, this is what we need to do, and it's like it just works. So. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. Do you find how long? So, how long do you think it's been since you have gotten like 
you struggled, you were at a, at a whatever low point, and then you use some of these tools working with Jan to work up and become more consistent. Where do you, how long, okay, there's two questions. How long do you think it was till you got to a point where you were like, I can reliably make a sound? And then how long has it been since that point for you? Does that question make sense? Yeah, um, it's, it's just tough to say because um, like I could, I think, you know, like three months into the retraining process, I made the best sound of my life, mm. you know? So just Tony did three months and I was like, here's one single middle F. And it's like, the, I, I told Jen, I was like, this is like, this is the best sound I've ever heard. Like it's, you know, and she's like, like she kept saying this over and over and she's like, hate to tell you, it's just going to get way better. <laughs> like, <laughs> like now, like, like what I thought was like, like my best sound back then is like peanuts. I mean, it's, it wasn't even good. <laughs> But I mean, but it was also way better than the sound I was making before. Interesting. And, and yeah, now it's just like this. It's it's really, uh, yeah. So, but 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 it wasn't. I mean, you know, I maybe one note, but it's like, can you start that note when you need to start it? Can you can you play these intervals? Can you play a phrase? Those those were not easy. Um, it, as you add complexity, it it it, it was harder. You know. Um, I, I went to work after about a year and a half because I felt like, okay, what I'm doing now is, is better than what's existing in my absence. Um, but it was like, it was really, uh, like emergency mode all the time. You know, I was like, they had announced the repertoire and I'd just like scan the music for like all the problems I was going to have, you know, mm. like just figuring out how to like, how to make it work. And, um, and, and just, yeah, dealing with the old sort of like things that were going on at work that were triggering and like learning how to manage those, learning how to manage myself. It was a big process, but uh, I, I feel comfortable now, but I, I would actually say like, you know, COVID was a really good time for me because uh, I got so much time to, to get better. Um, so like, I, I don't know, maybe it's been, been about a year since I feel pretty comfortable. Okay. But and I and I this happened to me end of 2016. So like yeah, 2017 to 2021, maybe I'd say four years. But I mean, you know, I I could I could take a gig and play like two years after you know 2019 or something. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned this three month period where you were like, I found out I got to Stony. I'm dealing with this. To like, I made the best sound in my entire life. What what did that three month period look like in terms of the work you were doing? Uh, it was a lot of. Well, I can say like what I would, I, I in, re in retrospect, I, I maybe could have done it faster, but, um, I, uh, yeah, it, 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 the, the, the basic plan is number one, like calm down because <laughs> like people are just their, their, their neurology is like, just so like, um, static, like it's, there's just so much like noise going on. And, uh, and, and just, just from the emotions and the desperation and the, like the, the narratives that we're carrying around, of, um, you know, the, the trauma, like all the stuff. I mean, like a lot of that's, a lot of that work was just like seeing a therapist and do, I did EMDR therapy. I had a psychedelic mushroom trip. I had, you know, I did all these really important things. And, uh, um, and then, and then from the, the work of the, the the jan stuff was kind of like okay can you can you stop breathing like it's like you're drowning you know because I, I would i'd be like laying in bed trying to relax and I'd be like you know like that you know like that that was that was you know from my what i what i what i personally trained in from breathing gym i'm not like necessarily saying that 
every single person will like have what I have, but uh, I don't think it's I don't think it's a healthy approach. Um, but uh, yeah, so I had to like calm down the breath, which I couldn't do at the time. I could not calm. I actually felt like I would I was drowning, so I abandoned that. Um, even though it was step step one, I had to like put it off till later because I I literally was like almost having panic attacks trying to like address my breathing. I th I think if I, I I could do it better now, but. Um, and I had to, uh, just like flip all these things on my head. Like the, I had to switch from the physics of brass instrument being, uh, a buzz amplifier to a resonant to, you know, the, the air column inside the instrument is, is a resonator and, and, and it, it resonates when you, when you excite the air inside of it and it gets reflected back and you get standing waves and that excite the lips into sympathetic vibration passively, um, uh, you know, I, 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 we had to flip that, flip the breath around. So it's, it's about the outward flow of air, not like the inward flow. And then, you know, like, like she, she, uh, Jan does this, um, this exercise, which is, uh, which is like, she'll play like a, a game of fake tennis with you and she'll, you know, you, you, you hit a, it, well, it, <laughs> without going too much into it, uh, basically, uh, and, and you kind of talked about this a little bit. Like I, I almost wanted to say something because you were sort of like, you know, like, I, like in this, like Arnold, you're talking about Arnold Jacobs song and when, and it's like, first, first you take a good breath and then you play. It's like, but the breath is a part of the music. So it's like, like your the air comes in as a reaction to your motivation to resonate the sound. So it, it, it's, it's becomes like, and, and Jan, Jan was like a, a major swimmer and I have since become a swimmer. And the feeling of like, when, when you're swimming, like now I'm swimming a mile a day, um, and, and it's just like, I am just trying to get rid of air as fast as I can. I, as soon as it comes in, I blow it out into the water and I'm facing down and it's just like, like it just all comes out. And then I just, I, I put my head to the side and I relax, head to the side, relax, get it all out. So like, there's no, there is no inhale. It's a relaxation, you know? So it's, it's like, if you were to, it, I think it can help people to understand it. If you like got rid of all your air. Yeah, like, like really got empty and then just totally sort of collapsed air like you get a full breath mm -hmm. so there's it's 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 the antithesis of sucking in air or being responsible for like an inhale because usually what that entails is somebody will they will confuse the sensation of effort as a success of breathing in so instead of like like the sensation of a of a, of a relaxation breath it's a, there isn't a sensation. It's the absence of doing something. It's emptiness. Whereas if you take a breath, uh, that you get a lot of sensation. You know, I can feel that. So wow, I must be doing it right. But but what that sets up is like okay, now if what we want to do is blow out the bell with this air, and now I've just done, and now how am I going to get to? It's like it's I'm stuck. I'm like all choked up. You know. So it's like it's like you're. The reason it's like a back, like the tennis thing was, it's a backswing for hitting the ball. I want the ball to go there, and I, and you you hit the ball, but like, what was your backswing like? Well, you don't know because like, why would you care about the backswing? But tennis coaches talk, take, teach. Like I was talking to Gail Williams after a concert, and she was talking about this tennis coach who, in in a positive way, and she was trying to relate it to brass playing. But I, her, her she was saying, this tennis coach is like, okay, you know, like if you know you want to hit it to the right, right past the net, you go back this far. If you want to hit it mid-court, hit pull back this far. If you want to hit it to the end, pull back this far. But that's insane because you're basically saying that your your weak sense of proprioception is better at at uh, doing these complex motor programs than 
then your uh then your your sort of reptilian brain and there's there's research on this too that like we have two conscious movements are much in, much inferior to unconscious movements so if you're so if you're saying like and this is the external focus of attention thing if you're saying okay i i see where i want that tennis ball to go and i and i the 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 ball teaches the racket you know the ball told me told the racket what to do and my and the racket took over you know so you're not you're not like okay i'm going to go 10 inches back because i wanted to go there and then when when you do a, a forced backswing it's it hurts your arm it doesn't feel good so that, that's the that sort of like fake game of tennis that you could play with her and it, it it demonstrates that like it instantly feels bad to do to do a backswing versus to you post noticing a, a backswing happened yeah so that's that's another way it's like so the breath is is like a backswing so it's like okay I want I want this phrase to happen. I want this note to happen. Relax, blow out. Because you're already thinking, okay, what's what am I going to be blowing out like? You know, just like in the pool, I'm blowing out, just trying to get rid of this water. And I keep, while I'm not doing it, I'm like, I can't wait to blow this out. <sighs> get it out, get it out, get it out. And so it's like I'm already like blowing out the sound, and then I just relax, and it's right there because my body was like prepared to to carry out that task. It, but when you take a breath, it's like it's like looking backwards while you're driving. And like, you know, and then all of a sudden you have to like turn back and like do a, like a race course or something. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's like completely distracting you from the music. It's inefficient it, and it sets up blockages. Um, so that was the one like major thing. And I, I, it's the hardest thing to fix. It's the hardest thing to, to change. And I still, you know, and, and I catch myself all the time. And, um, because that, that compulsion to like, to, to breathe is you know jan jan calls it uh she talks about this like this like veteran who was like wanting to swim but and he's like this really big dude and she watched him swim and he's just like oh like it, it, she calls it controlled drowning hmm. you know and it's because of the, because of the way you're breathing it, it's like it's all about gasping for air so you can survive and 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 we, we know that you know the breath has a is like directly linked to our autonomic nervous system so it's triggering fight or flight every time you like take one of these massive breaths, like as if you just saw a lion, you go, <gasps> you know, that's, that's a lion, like, holy shit, I'm going to die versus like, okay, how, you know, if we, we want to be emptiness and calm and share beauty and art with people, then it's like, you don't want to be <gasps> like, that's not the way to do it. You're going to, you really need to focus on, you know, blowing out release, blowing out, play fry. It's a beautiful phrase. It's almost like meditating. You know, like when you're swimming in the water, it's like, blowing bubbles relax blowing bubble and you get out of the pool and you're like i just meditated for like 40 minutes mm. um and and when you it should be like that when you when you play your instrument phrase after phrase it feels good every time you relax and then play another phrase and it's not like this accumulation of tension that you know most people do uh, so that so that's one the other one you know is uh you know i was uh at my my current job back back then i was really influenced by this one person and they they sort of like you know had this really midi uh like way of looking at music where like every single note equals exactly this note length this dynamic this whatever so it was like it wasn't music at all it was paint by number you know it's like hey like where this number one is, you're going to use orange. And then this is like, <laughs> and, and so it, it became like this, like execution task of like, you know, instead of like, or whatever, you know, um, 
Like I just made up some weird, like Nokia nah. ringtone or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so, so that, that I had to, I had to re- remind myself that that music is the concrete thing and the notation, like the sound we make is music. It's not the notation. The notation is not like Mahler's Fifth Symphony isn't on ink. It's in sound. Yeah. And those are, those are symbols of it. And, but it's really bad. Like I, I can't stand hearing people do music. It just drives me nuts. Um, you know, I, I just, I, I want it to flow. I want it to be like, I don't want it to be based in some weird idealism about how notes should be read. I want it to be, you know, from the person. I want it to flow. I want it to be from, you know, emptiness and just organicism. It needs to be organic. Um, and there's, there's, a, there's a bunch of things I had to flip. So it was like, it was like this big philosophical flipping of things. But the, but physically speaking, I, I was really just blowing through straws, um, and trying to resonate straws, and then trying to take that and like bridge the gap to the trombone, where it's like. And there's way more. So it's easy to, you know, you think the stupid straw, I'm just blowing. Sure, I can blow through it. But actually, like a lot of people can't, <laughs> even like healthy players. And uh, uh, I, I could just show you. Um, so like, you know, just just in the beginning to get to get a good feel, you know, you just do the open straw, which is, you're not going to resonate it. You're just sort of like, OK, can I blow air through this? And like most people can't can't really do that, and then and then you block it, and you now now it's like a brass instrument because the waves are getting reflected. You can get a standing wave. Yeah, it's cool to watch this because it's like, yeah. I mean, sometimes when I'm watching people play, I'm looking for basically what you just did, which is like you can see how far forward everything is for yeah, you to be able to do yeah, that. It, yeah, yeah, I can't do it like with the buzzing armature. Like, yeah. It's not gonna work. It's, yeah. It doesn't work. That's not how you resonate things. And then and then this is the hard part of this straw's maybe not the best one for you. Using the uh the mouthpiece visualizer, which is a really triggering, and then you and then trying to get that too. It's it's kind of like a, it, for me, like it's maybe not helpful for people just starting out, but like for me, it's like right where the all the, the lessons are. Can you do it once without the straw, but with the visualizer? Just for me. Oh, uh, I'll try. Yeah, it's interesting because one of the things I notice when I do this with people is I'll ask them to just like do an air pattern on something that they're playing and on I'll hear. Mm-hmm. Right? And I'm like, okay, listen yeah. to me do it. And I'll go. And it's like, with the same sort of embouchure, whatever, I don't really care about that. It's like so much louder, right? Like there's an intensity of air yeah. that I think is ne- yeah. uh, for trumpet specific. That's why I was curious for you. Yeah. For trumpet specifically, there's like an intensity of air needed. What I've noticed is essentially yeah. if I get people to, th- to think I have an exercise that I do this, if I get to them to think further away, like their sound is like you're talking about starting at the bell. I'm trying to get them to think it's starting like across the street, right? Like that's where they're hearing their sound first. And then I can have them play with this excited uh, airstream or whatever. It basically mm-hmm. brings this yeah. fullness and this resonance. And then it and then it helps them bridge all these different notes and these because everything has like, you know, like dynamics are no longer a problem because we need to play soft with an excited airstream, just like loud. It's yeah. not, and it's very fascinating. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious. This is the reason I asked this question is because 
it's almost like some of these things that I'm, as I'm listening to you, some of these things I'm doing are almost related to some of the stuff you've talked about with dystonia. And I find Mm -hmm. it to be really helpful for people, but I'm not thinking this is helping them with possible future dystonia issues, right? I'm like, I just think this is healthy production and what this looks like, but it sounds like maybe they don't have to go quite so far, but would you agree that to some degree, most people, if not everybody should at least consider what some of this stuff would look like in their playing for brass playing specifically. Oh, I, yeah. Dystonia is the canary in the coal mine for brass playing. It's, it is. But you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like right now you're saying everybody, there's people that could be headed towards dystonia and they don't even know it, right? Because of the way that they're producing yeah. sounds. So like, to me, it's like everybody to some degree should consider what you're talking about, whether they think oh, they have a yeah, problem absolutely. or don't, just because it might actually fix something that could have led to dystonia that they had no idea about. Yeah, I, I I definitely think that this is the the new wave. I, I I don't I think people who don't take this kind of thing on will be left in the dust. I I, I don't think there's going to be, you know, like like I'll just just as a so we had a principal uh, trumpet audition and um, like a year ago and uh, we hired someone and um, you know he was like the only one in the finals and it it wasn't uh, it wasn't like I mean, I know it's hard to audition and, you know, but it just, there was really not like the bar is quite low, to be honest, uh, for, for, for all, I mean, the two, we did had a two audition that was like, there was a lot of really good players, but, but the, the bar was so low. I just, I was so surprised that, uh, you know, how, how there's so few people that can really play the instrument, um, and, uh, like reliably and under, under pressure. Uh, and it just makes me think like, you know, like, are we about to enter this renaissance age of, of brass playing? And it, it's like, not from like a fear-based thing. Like, if you don't like blow into a straw, you're going to get to stone. And it's, it's more like, you know, it's just that, like I said, a continuum of like a wellness. You know, if you if you are reliably producing like very efficient, resonant tones and like that, you can do more with that. You know, you can do more freely. You can, then you can do song and wind. And once you're doing song and wind, you're, you're, you're one of the best players in the planet. Um, because there's only a handful of people who yeah. are playing with song and wind. I mean, a couple handfuls, maybe or three, three or four handfuls, but it's a very limited number of people that are like really like that level. And this is what that's that's getting us to. Uh, if you're if you're if you're doing the buzzing stuff, if you're breathing backwards, you know, it's it's just going to limit you. It, it you can still play really beautifully, and you can still win a job, and you can still do this stuff, but um, you it's going to be a little like question marks. Like when you, when you go to start a note and it's like, you have a little bit of like uncertainty, is it going to come out or is it going to come out on time? Because you're like, you've got these sort of like inserted instructions happening inside the, the matrix of the, the, the neurological timing. Um, so I, I just, uh, yeah, I, I think that it's going to be, I, I, I see it like, I don't know, like uh, one of my teachers once said like, you know, you don't have to do anything new. Like you're, you like are not doing anything new. You're just trying to do as good as people have already done. Or it was like some really depressing statement about like, like, and I, I, it just really bothered me. And, and I, and I totally think that, uh, it's not true. I think that we have like modern techniques coming out right now that people can, uh, work with and level up the entire field of brass playing. Um, and it's, but it's not going to happen if we 
just do the same old shit. I mean, it, 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 that's, it's coming from new pedagogy. It's not coming from people buzzing that much more, you yeah, know, like, yeah. whatever, like, you know, it's not how it's done. I totally agree. I sometimes some of the views that I hold sometimes feel like blasphemous when compared to some of the things that I have been taught. And I'm I'm really trying I'm trying really hard, actually, to suss out and make sure that it's not me just like not understanding what somebody told me, you know, but it's truly like I get what this is and I just don't. I don't agree with it fully, or I think there's layers to it, or I think it's more complicated than just this one statement. Um, and I think the thing I disagree with the most so far is that people will just figure it out. I think that's the thing I disagree with the most, that we'll just, people will be in school for four years and we'll we'll teach them some stuff and that if they don't have everything they need or or if they still have some problems, they will figure it out at some point. I don't think that's true. And I think there's people who get left in the dust. And I think that there's people who could have, whether they become professionals or not, could have a great relationship with making music on their instrument who end up quitting because it's just too much of a hassle for them to try to figure out how to get better. So um, I, I, I'm a, I actually am quite inspired by our conversation because it's like you are just slightly further down this road than than I am. I feel like I'm just stepping into understanding what like some of this some of the impact of these ideas could be. And it's so cool to hear that you are just, you've just, like I said, that much more further into like, this is uh, worthy stuff, worthy of your time, worthy of people's consideration. So I appreciate you uh, sharing. I think the last question I would like to ask is, are you grateful for the things that you've struggled with? Or do you feel like there's some cool stuff, but you still kind of wish it wouldn't have happened? Like, where do you, where are you with it? Oh yeah. No, I mean, it's, it, it's a, it's just, probably i mean not the biggest blessing i have kids but <laughs> it's uh it's it's been it's been like top three blessings of my life uh because it just tore down the weak the weakness in me you know i i've changed a lot i i was like i would i used to be a nice guy i'm still a nice guy but i used to be too much of a nice guy and uh you know i i used to be i don't know like i'm, I'm fit i'm in the best i'm best shape of my life i like i i have like i have the confidence that anything I set my mind to do, I can do it because I have like a system that works, you know, not just musically, but like athletically or um, even like parenting or relationships. Like it's just, it's this huge holistic thing. Uh, so it, it was a huge, I, it, it kind of like a trial by fire made me, maybe a better person for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, it's cool to hear that because I have similar stories in my life to difficult things I've gone through. I've shared about them on the podcast before, but it's like I think sometimes we get into the space where we want to try to avoid those types of things at all costs. But there's so many stories of people who going through these types of things actually sort of brought them into who they are and like the thriving version of themselves that they are. And so I think it's always good to hear people have the perspective that this very difficult thing I went through that I didn't choose. I don't think you chose for this to happen to you, but it, it ultimately been, was a blessing. Hopefully is encouraging to people who are going through difficult things right now or will go through difficult things in the future. Um, cool. I think it's a good place to, to put a pause in it. Ho hopefully we can have, you know, another chance in the future to maybe dig deeper or I'll learn a lot more and I'll have new questions to ask you. But for the time being, if people are interested in 
getting in touch with you. Maybe they have some of their own difficulties or they resonated with part of your story or whatever. They just want to get in touch with you. Are there ways for them to do that? Oh, geez. <laughs> I'm a little bit of a recluse, but uh, no. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I could share my email. Um, Up to you. TL, yeah. TLCHOP at gmail.com. TLCHOP at gmail.com. Or I think I, at Twitter, I'm at Logan Shopping at Twitter, uh, Twitter, but uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of the extent of my that's all right. website or anything. That's all right. But uh, yeah, feel free to, re- anyway, anyone, I, it's like a brotherhood that just don't think if there's any of your listeners that are, you know, need someone to talk to, or I'm more than happy to, to be a resource for anybody. Uh, great. Uh, if anybody needs to get in touch with me, uh, if you're interested in having me, uh, I, I guess as an interview or you are have ideas for different guests or you want to be on my show, anything like that, you can get in touch with me at that's not spit.com as well as that's not spit on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, if you wouldn't mind leaving a rating and a review, if you enjoyed this episode, I'd really appreciate it. You can do that on iTunes. Uh, Don't forget to share this episode on social media so other people can find it. Uh, Logan, one more time, thank you so much for giving me some of your time. This is incredibly awesome for me. I hope my audience got a lot out of it, too. Thanks, Ryan. Uh, I want to thank Brandon Yoakum for his work on mastering this episode of the podcast. And most of all, I'd like to thank you for listening. Stay strong. Stay strong. Stay strong. Be kind to yourself. Never stop growing. That's it. And we'll see.